Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan LaPique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. And we have back with us again today, Mr. Matt Campbell. Matt is part of KPMG's People and Change practice. He's a managing director in that group and is becoming a very great regular on our Advice Worth Keeping podcast series. Matt, thanks for joining us here again today to talk about some critical issues relative to how organizations should be addressing the employee deal and how they attract, retain, and get the most out of the employees of the future. So, uh, Matt, thanks for joining us here again today. So first, let's talk about the idea of the employee candidate as really a consumer and taking a different approach as an organization to looking at how you attract and bring in and retain talent. And I'd like to hear what you mean by the concept of the employee deal and really what's in it for them and therefore what's in it for the organization. So there's a lot of trends today pointing towards the workforce of the future, and there's a lot of concern, obviously, amongst organizations of how that workforce will change. I mean, we have shifting demographics with people retiring. We have new generations of employees coming in. And I know in a later podcast, we'll be talking about how do you deal with the so-called Generation X In parallel with this, there's a lot of issues and concerns and opportunities around further automation of work. So I think in this segment, why don't we explore the importance of taking into account the perspective of an employee candidate as a consumer and how the organization must adapt in the way they market themselves to attract the best talent. From what you've explained to me, at core of this issue is having a strong, a very authentic employee value proposition. So it's not just about giving people a job and giving them a lot of money and benefits. That's important. But as we've talked about in the past, employees today, particularly in the younger generation, are looking for a lot more. Why don't we just start out with defining what an employee value proposition is, what it's not, and why it's important to organizations today? I think that the easiest way to think about the employee value proposition or the employee deal is what are you actually taking out there and how are you positioning your organization to potential candidates? And as a result, what are candidates actually experiencing? Like you mentioned, today's workforce is very well informed. And so anyone can go and post on the internet what their experience of your organization has been. And so people, when they're looking at an organization, aren't just looking at the marketing materials and the glossy idea that we put out there as to what we think we want the world to know our organization to be. People can actually see the details behind it pretty quickly these days. So there's some big websites like Glassdoor.com and Indeed.com here in the US that are really incredible resources for employees as they start to look at organizations. And also within different industry sectors, there's all sorts of apps and community boards popping up that will actually give you the inside scoop as to what an organization is like. So that's where that authentic piece comes in that you mentioned in the intro there that it's not good enough to go out there and have the marketing materials that say this is who we are. It's really making sure that you've got a whole system designed around it that once you put an idea out there that employees are actually seeing what that experience is like. And to the idea then of employees as candidates looking at jobs, they really take that consumer approach because in everything we do these days, we're super informed about what the service is or product is that we're buying. So it's the same with the employment relationship, where employees have a really great understanding as to what our organizations are, 
warts and all, so to speak, before they even think about applying to us. So that means it becomes really important to differentiate why you are, who you are as an organization and what your organization identity is. It's not good enough to just be a me too type person. And given the transferability of skill sets between industries these days, it's also not good enough to just rely on we are this in this industry. It's really about how do you actually attract people from those other industries because people will be looking. And if you only have one industry lens as to how someone might work with you, you're probably missing out on some of the best talent in the market. That means we also need to have a really competitive view as to what it means to be an organization. And again, having that market recognition. So people want to actually hear about the awards that you've won and then the consistency with which you're winning those awards so that they know that they're buying into the right brand and want to be associated with that brand. And finally, that the organization is committed to making sure that those things actually happen. So we can't just promise folks that they're going to come into this organization and have a fantastic career trajectory. They'll actually be looking for how did people grow within the organization? Are people actually getting promoted and having those opportunities? It's a really complex space, but it's really important that we don't just put the marketing materials and the big ideas out there, but we actually follow it through with a very systemic series of mechanisms to make sure that the deal we put to the market is the value proposition we actually deliver on. So Matt, you've hit on some of this already, but when an organization is looking at refreshing their employee value proposition, or perhaps in some cases just thinking about it for the first time in a different way that you just described, what are some of the key attributes organizations should be looking at? You've just hit on a couple, of, but are there any more? What should be the trigger for an organization to revisit or refresh their EVP? Or really is it in light of the workforce today that this is something everybody should be doing? Maybe just to add any additional attributes they should be thinking about, but is this something everybody should be doing or are there certain triggers that an organization should recognize that would prioritize this as a key strategic effort? Any organization that's having challenges attracting employees and or retaining employees that should be the immediate cue to start looking at what is the deal that we offer to employees and is it good enough to bring them in and is it also then good enough to keep employees? Because the length of employment relationship these days is usually relatively short compared to what it's been in the past. So employees are actively assessing all the time, is this the best place for them to be? And so when we think about the different pieces that make up an employee deal, there's obviously the type of work that you do and the quality of the work that you do, and that's at the core of what your organization represents. That gets played out in your talent brand. What is that marketing that you take? What is that organization identity that people want to be associated with? But people these days are increasingly looking at what is your organization culture and is it something that they want to embrace and how do they actually identify with that personally? Is it the type of place that actually matters to their identity? And that's the emotional ideals that we have before we even start applying for jobs. Once we get over that initial line of thinking, we then start to go into some really rational thinking in organizations in terms of what is this experience going to do for me? How will this organization grow me? How will they develop me? How will I actually get recognition that I have achieved new things within this environment? What will other people outside of this organization actually value those experiences as? And then who are the leaders that I'm also going to have the opportunity to work with, the relationships that I can build for my future career objectives, which may or may not be within that same organization. And then ultimately we get to the question around rewards and recognition. What are the other recognition programs and the perks, if you like, that are so important in organizations today? 
So it's something that organizations effectively need to keep on evaluating all the time in terms of as we bring people into the organization or attract people to the organization, what are we saying to them and how are we making sure that we reinforce those messages along the way and what's people's satisfaction as a result. I would assume this isn't by any means a one-size-fits-all proposition across an organization's breadth of employees. So if you're looking at perhaps someone who's shown potential or an interest in artificial intelligence, perhaps the value proposition might be different from someone who might be doing more traditional transactional work with the added issue of those doing the transactional work that could be some concerns about long-term, where is their job going as we have increased automations. How should an organization look at tailoring the EVP based on different classes of employees? Are there some overarching themes they should be looking at and then they tailor it by different classes of employees? Or is it more so given the employees they're considering today or trying to attract that there's a lot of commonalities regardless of the individual type of role someone might be doing? The first idea to tackle is, is there a one-size-fits-all for an employee value proposition? And we'd argue that just based on some of those pieces that you've talked about there, Stan, that there probably isn't one way to fix this. And so part of the way that you attract people into the organization is going to be different for different types of roles. At the moment, anything in data and analytics and cybersecurity are really hot areas where there's a lot of competition for labor. And so people are really wanting to grow quickly within those environments so they can progress. People are really focused on the types of projects and the types of experiences they're going to have from an actual work task perspective. Whereas people working in other functions like you suggested probably are looking more for work-life balance or routine in terms of being able to, to fit work in, in around the kids and so they can actually, those other drivers in their life fit around. Where people are up to in their life stage becomes really important in terms of how those different priorities change. But on top of that, you then end up with a different demographic series of biases as well where baby boomers are looking a lot more in terms of the organization growth and how far can they progress up the ladder and what does that mean and for baby boom turning into a big focus as to what's the legacy of their work history been as that generation starts to retire. For Generation X which is the folks born the 70s and 80s is really looking at how are they actually able to look after their kids and being able to have the career growth and progression and reach their highest income potential with a drive there to how do I do it as fast as they can for me. So they're not necessarily happy to stay for a particular time in a role. They're looking more for the recognition that, yes, you have the smarts and the capability, so we want you to go and execute on this piece of work. The millennials is a lot more focused on what are the experiences that I'm having and am I getting the social recognition in other forums Again, whether that's as simple as a LinkedIn update and getting likes around those LinkedIn updates or whether it's on other forum, is there the actual recognition and, and kudos for that? Generation T just coming to the workplace, one of the big things that they're focused on is making sure that technology actually works. They're not prepared to have poor levels of technology. Again, wanting to have a fun working environment, which is not the same as generations past. I think that's a key point, Matt, and I know we'll have an additional podcast that we'll be producing shortly that'll dig in a bit more to the Generation Z talent. Back on talent overall, we've heard a lot about the idea of the so-called robust employee experience, and that's a bit of a vague term, but it gets into the physical, cultural, and technology elements of a work environment. 
And you've hit upon this already. How is that incorporated in it? You've highlighted for different classes of workers what should be looked at. But is there, again, a generic employee experience that organizations should look to embody and manifest? We all hear about the wonders of what happens at a high-tech firm in Silicon Valley. But again, if you're a utility in the Midwest, perhaps you're not in a position to offer some of those robust work environment offerings. And is that going to mean that just certain types of organizations aren't going to be able to attract some of the workers they're looking for because they're utility in the Midwest versus a high-tech firm in Silicon Valley? Or is the robust employee experience something that all organizations in their own particular style and fashion should be pursuing and trying to enable with their targeted talent? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Sam. So uh, every organization needs to have something that reflects its own identity. I think that's probably the core piece. And then create those different variations based on what that core identity is. The technology companies you refer to there, everyone gets very excited. The perks that are associated with some of those big platform businesses, the dark side to some of those perks that you're getting is it's designed so that you never actually leave work. Part of the deal there is you are going to work long hours and it's going to be a crazy environment in terms of working all-nighters because you do have all those perks that enable you to never actually leave the office. And importantly, in those organizations, they're increasingly making sure that people are always at the office and pulling back on some of those ideas around working from home. That's where other organizations who might have a little bit more stability and a bit more routine in terms of how they can have people engage with the organization can actually play something like the work-life balance card where we may not have the ping pong tables, but at least you won't be here at 2 a.m. I think that's a good point. So Matt, maybe to wrap up, what you've described for all organizations, but particularly some organizations that have been around for a while, you're talking about some potentially significant enhancements to their employee value proposition. Who should be driving this? I mean, obviously, I would assume this is something that the human resources group or the people in change group would be very actively involved in, those that are doing recruiting, obviously. But it sounds from what you've said, particularly around the robust employee experience, that this is really something that's going to be a responsibility for everyone in the firm. Who should be driving this? But for those who aren't driving it but are supporting it, what are some of the key things they need to be looking at to make sure that collectively an organization on a whole is on board around this? The human resource team has a really core role in terms of being the stewards and custodians of what's the employee experience we're trying to design and what's the employee deal that supports that experience for the candidates we're trying to attract, but also the employees that we're trying to retain. With that means that there's lots of different stakeholders across the organization that need to support and make that happen. So if you think about the physical environment, the HR team might be highlighting a data perspective that we need to do something different in terms of the physical work environment that we have. And that's going to trigger a whole series of different folks that they need to engage. Likewise, it could be the digital experience of the organization. If you've got 150 different applications that employees are expected to get in and out of every day, that's something that Again, HR from a data perspective can start flagging where there's those productivity issues and what it does for the employees in terms of that experience. So it's a really big role there for HR to actually be the custodians of that experience design and making sure that we have the right deal and we're following through on that deal, but then engaging with the entire organization. I think for the C-suite, the biggest question is, do they really 
want to have a strategic advantage through their people. And if they truly believe that, then C-suites usually engage in that. There's a lot of motherhood and apple pie statements that get made, but once you get into some robust conversations that are backed by data, most C-suite teams actually see where the difference is that their people drive for the organization. So they'll want to make sure that they have those right deals in place. No, I agree. I think that C-suite active support is very important. I think particularly in today's environment where from a lot of your team's work and a lot of the research we've done, we're seeing that there's a lot of focus on automation, a lot of focus on having less employees of the future, and perhaps not enough focus on making sure the employees you still have are the right ones. I think what you've described here is very critical to ensuring that you do have the right mix. To wrap this one up, this podcast is part of a talent insight series that Matt and his team is doing on the future of work, the focus on the ability to be agile in the face of rapid workforce change, such as that brought about by automation, but also that brought about by just different generations coming into the fore as far as key employees. So a lot of additional work that's been done on this. You can check out some other work that Matt and his team have done, as well as some other podcasts and links off of the landing page for this one. And if you didn't access through the Advice Worth Keeping site, you can also go to the Future of Work series. And the URL for that is www.kpmg.com slash US slash Future of Work. That's www.kpmg.com slash US slash Future of Work. And you'll be able to find there more of our opinions and thought leadership on ways to unlock the value from your greatest asset, which are your employees. So, Matt, thank you for your time here today. And we'll get you back again soon to drill into this same topic, the specific instance of Generation Z talent. So, Matt, thank you for your time here again today. This podcast is one in a series of talent insights on the future of work. The ability to be agile in the face of rapid workforce change will be key to the future performance and competitive advantage of organizations. The question is, how is your organization pioneering a 21st century enterprise to anticipate change, transform, and achieve greatness? Listen to more podcasts from our Future of Work series. Go to www.kpmg.com slash US slash Future of Work. And there's a link to that on the landing page of any of these podcasts. There you'll find more insights and ways to unlock the value from our greatest asset, your people.